0: Your world of rugby. This is the official Rugby 365
1: podcast. Welcome to this week's edition of Rugby 365's podcast. I'm your host, Jan de Quinning, and right here in the studio with me, Lof Yelof. Eugene, welcome to the studio and thank you for traveling all the way from Paul. Uh, I, I know you don't feel so well, but
2: uh, apparently the doctors are better in Cape Town. Yes, I don't think uh, it's that I'm not feeling well. I'm actually feeling on top of the world, uh, but it is the time of the season that changed and. Uh, most of the people in that area, you know, with the spraying of the, po- the poisons and the stuff for the for the vineyards, you sort of just, uh, it gives you a bit of a rattle. So, so you got vineyard flu? I wish. If I had, it would have been better. But um, I'm feeling on top of the world. And uh, I mean, we're going into the most exciting time of the World Cup. And there's a buzz in, the, in our country. And I'm sure there's a buzz in the world. Eugene, this World Cup, uh, I think you made a statement
1: uh, before we came on here uh, that this the World Cup starts now, and in a sense, it is exactly that. You know, yeah, there were lots of excitement and there was some interesting stuff, and the, and the pool stage has finished on on an amazing high. You know, we saw Japan knock out Scotland, and and we know there's this ongoing fight between Scotland and World Rugby about threats of lawsuits, and and there's all sorts of drama, and and, and we know even it's a bit taken the HRC to court and, and there's all sorts of off field drama that's going on but i think the, the real excitement right now and, and i think that's the the, the the side shows are being pushed to the background and we can concentrate and and, and talk a bit about rugby and uh, and you know, it's so much easier to talk about rugby because there's so much interesting rugby to, to talk about. Especially the, the way the, the pool stages finished. You know, as expected, New Zealand one and uh, one, South Africa two. You know, Japan one, Ireland two. That's that's probably the, the, the only real surprise in, in the pool stages. You know, uh, Wales finished ahead of Australia,
2: England f- finished ahead of France. Yeah, John, you know, that there are no surprises. I think the surprises are going to start uh, coming this weekend. I think there will be an upset or two. Uh, And just again, going back to the 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 off-the-field politics and whining and whinging, um, it's part of the parcel. Unfortunately, you will always have that. And and Jan, as a journalist, and me as a coach, know sometimes in emotions you say something, you mean something else, and the media will, they they need to sell their paper or their story, and they might change it. I could not see. Uh, first of all, uh, that Italy, uh, that their captain complained about New Zealand's game that that was that was just um, cancelled. Uh, I don't think it's that they thought that they can beat New Zealand. I just think it's a big proud moment for the Italians to to play against New Zealand. So uh, I guess that's a disappointment. But I th- you have to look at the bottom line. Uh, there is a, a hazard in weather. And dangerous, has it. And uh, one should look beyond that. It's uh, it's not worthwhile, you know, uh, uh, playing all these games where the players and people's lives are at risk. So um, getting to Scotland, uh, after watching them play, uh, I, I just think Scotland have not found their rhythm and, and, uh, and their pattern again. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure this thing's just going to die out very quietly because... Um, it's It's really nitty-gritty stuff that they just want to take to court and take to higher levels and so on. Eugene,
1: two things for me. i'm I'm just happy that Scotland were knocked out on the field. so so like you say, all 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 the all field, all the side side shows and the drama uh, can be put aside. I'm sure there will be four that uh, world rugby will take a stance and and they like to flex their muscles. so so for me that's that, that's the the one thing. I'm just glad that Japan managed to beat them on the field of play in a proper manner. So there's no doubt about the fact that Japan was a better team and they deserve to go through as the best team in that pool. Number one unbeaten in in, in that pool. The other thing about Sergio Parisi, the Italian captain, I I think his disappointment is that was going to be his last game and he wanted to finish his career. He'd always planned to finish his career against New Zealand. Uh, I don't think they expected to win. You're right, they didn't expect to win. But... He had planned to finish his career on a high against New Zealand. And and that's the disappointment for him. I think uh, his expression of his disappointment was more that his career was suddenly ended and he didn't have a, a choice in, in, in how he finished his career. So, But th- those are two minor minor incidents. I think, by and large, the pool stages have brought some... And, and I think Japan's win over Scotland, for me, uh, stands out as a highlight. I know Japan are playing South Africa this, this weekend and we're going to be facing that same hype and crowd crowd madness, much like we had in 1995 when we hosted the tournament and we had this this whole crowd and Madiba and all that emotion behind us sweeping us through the tournament. Uh, Japan's got that same thing at the moment and we have to deal with it this coming Saturday and we'll talk about that a bit later. But Japan, the way they played against Scotland, it was so awesome, you know, the, the, the excitement, the... And Scotland wasn't bad on the day. Scotland actually play, uh, put up a good fight, you know, especially in the second half when they finally got their tactics right. They showed that you can beat Japan. You can contain that uh, free flying, wild-running rugby of Japan. But uh, all in all, Japan deserved to win and they were the better team on the day.
2: Yes, Sean, I'm sure we're going to discuss Japan a little bit later. There's one thing you have to compliment them. It's the speed of the game. Uh, how, how they stay on their feet, how they run into space. And they are—they execute everything quick. Even return to action is quick. Um, but I just say uh, on the on the side of the planning and the management of the World Cup. I guess there's one more thing that to me was a concern. The people at the administrators knew when we were going um, that there is a possibility of weather changes, which is uh, catastrophic in certain ways. Uh, it fell to me, and it's—I'm I'm only this is hearsay and, and reading the papers and the media. That their contingency planning was not that well, that good, to to get uh, other venues in safer areas for the guys to play. But so be it. It's over. I think uh, it was such a well organised um, uh, tournament, and and we can only compliment uh, the Japanese. Uh, authorities that were involved in the planning and the Japanese supporters. I mean, I think, and uh, you, you like stats and you like history, but I think it's as one of the World Cups where most of the matches were supported mostly. You know, full pavilions, even in the so-called minor teams. So, hats off to Japan, and um, and I'm sure that this World Cup is also going to boost their rugby. Eugene,
1: perhaps now is a good time to start looking towards the quarterfinals. You're correct, their marketing is spot on, and and I agree with you. Uh, in, in terms of sheer numbers, it, it's definitely one of the best, if not the best, World Cups. But uh, we've got on stand by one of our regular contributors and, and a good old friend of, of the podcast, uh, Geraint Powell from Wales. And he's going to chat to us, seeing as we've got uh, a, a couple of... Northern Hemisphere. Or three Northern Hemisphere teams in the in, in the morning session on Saturday. We got England, Australia, and New Zealand, Ireland in in the Saturday matches, and then on Sunday we got Wales, France, and Japan, South Africa. So I I think let's chat to Grant and and hear what he has to say about the the, the quarterfinals, and then we'll analyze the matches, and and hear something from the coaches, and and also bring you some interviews with the coaches. But let's first go to Garant and hear what he has to say. Garant, thank you very, very much for joining us on Rugby 365's podcast again. It's always such a pleasure and an honour to have you.
3: Thank you for the invite. As The World Cup is now heating up as we get to the quarterfinal stages. Indeed. As, as Loffy said earlier,
1: uh, th- this is the real World Cup. I know th- there was some great stuff in the, in the pool stages, but I think this is the real World Cup, you know. Uh, the the top eight teams having a go at each other, and in, in and it's now do or die. I mean, one one slip up, you don't get any second chances.
3: Yeah, no, that's exactly the point. Especially with the you know, the strength of rugby test teams across the board. I mean, Scotland, Italy, Argentina didn't make the quarterfinal, but uh, perhaps other than that, now it's been great watching the host team Japan set things alight. And uh, but now we're down to the business end of the tournament.
1: I think the significant part for me is the fact that uh, the teams ranked 1 to 8 in the world on the current rankings. 1 to 8 in the world. The top 8 ranked teams are in the quarterfinals. Uh, unlike so, uh, some previous World Cups where there were major upsets. I mean, Japan is there. They not, not only top their pool, but they are there as, as ranked 7th in the world at the moment.
3: Yes, no, it's. Uh um, there's been no, there's been a, there's been no mess, there's no been no messing about. Um, the teams you expected to make it have um, pretty much been there. And as you say regarding Japan, um, yeah, that's no fluke. They they put aside uh, Ireland and Scotland on the way to the quarterfinals.
1: Well, Geraint, I think uh, if we start at the top end, I, I, I know you want to get cracking on the on the Wales France game, and, and we can perhaps lose that, leave that one for last for you. Uh, but if we start at the top, into the you, you want to run us through your view on on how you see the the quarterfinals pan out this coming set weekend.
3: Yeah, um, yes, yeah, certainly. Um, well, the first quarterfinal is England um, and Australia. Obviously, Australia have a fantastic record for uh, peaking at World Cups and coming good. But uh, on this one, I do believe that England will just steamroll them and will be um, too strong for them up front. And the the Wallabies are... Unlikely on recent form to be able to contain that England pack. Um, like all predictions, it may come back to haunt me. I think England could probably have done with that hard match um, against France that was cancelled, and I suspect France needed it even more than England. But the first, the first quarter final, I'd be surprised if um, if that isn't an England, an England um, win. Um, Saturday and the other game, um, New Zealand um, and Ireland. Uh, um, obviously, the the, the great form of Japan has seen Ireland uh, back in the quarterfinal as a runner-up against New Zealand. Um, another interesting one? Question marks? Yes, you know, no, it's not a vintage New Zealand team as we saw that opening twenty minutes against South Africa when they were really under the cosh. Um, You'd expect New Zealand on paper um, to win, but Ireland has shown in recent years um, they can beat um, New Zealand. Ireland themselves have been misfiring, but with a meticulous meticulous coach like um, Joe Schmidt, you'd think there's going to be one very good game in them. they you know, they have got the sort of men on the mental side. They have beaten New Zealand twice in recent years. Perhaps Nigel Owens referee tends to be more fluid game, and that makes that may suit New Zealand. But I'd be surprised if that top half of the draw is anything other than an England versus New Zealand um, semi-final. Um, your thoughts, gents?
1: Yeah, I, I think the, for, for me the the, the key the. Uh, England's forwards are just too good. Australia, I don't think they've got the pack. They, they've they've got creativity, and and when they get on a roll, they they pretty okay. But I I don't think Australia's shown me anything that uh, will scare England. England's been slowly uh, working their way through, and and Australia they, they they've got too many problems. I mean, if Kirtley Beale is at we we won't know until after the podcast goes live. But uh, I suspect if they without Kirtley Beale, they're going to be even even more trouble. And they've got no punch in their back line. Uh, New Zealand, yeah, they, I, I think their only problem might be that the only real game in this World Cup has been South Africa. Uh, they've had some easy... And they played most of their fringe players. Like they, they would have given their A team a run against Italy, but the game was called off. So I think they might be a bit uh, underdone going into the semifinal,
3: uh, quarterfinals. Yeah, no, I think we are the same wavelength there. As for the, the, the next day... Um, Obviously, I, will I'll, 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 I'll. Um, I break the order and look at Japan, South Africa first and maybe finish on my beloved Wales last but uh, with that one I think obviously a nice rematch and um, finished business from the last World Cup and obviously I think South Africa know what they need to do against um, Jamie Joseph's uh, offloading Japanese, it's just going to be a question of you know, precision and overpowering them up front um, um, so that's, I, I'd be astonished if the, the Springboks can't do that um, um, despite some of the wonderful rugby that, uh, um, that uh, it, um, the host nation Japan has been playing, um, the Springboks are well and truly on notice. and I, you know, I would expect the Springboks to slow the game down and overpower um, Japan. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, shutting them down, I think the, the Springboks are uh, most likely going to play a, a power game and controlling yeah. possession. I, th- I think in, in that World Cup, in that warm-up game they played, they, they showed how they want to play against Japan, and I think uh, you'll see something pretty similar to that uh, warm-up game where the Springboks just overpower J- J- the Japan pack and control possession and territory. Uh, you know, yeah. as, as much as Japan like to run around, uh, you can't do it yeah. for 80 minutes from your own 22.
3: No, no, exactly. Just draw, put, drive ah. Japan back into the corners and Literally bludgeoning your way over—that's that's the way for a team like South Africa to beat a team like Japan. As much as the romantics would be supporting the underdog host nation, Japan, um, I would expect the Springboks just to uh, be clinical and just uh, um, grind them down.
1: Well, now as you're transgained, uh, have a full go at the froggies.
3: Ah, uh, it's it's very difficult to talk about uh, the froggies without sort of any, any interview just becoming a succession of cliches about which team turns up on the day and how are it how are France getting on in training and with all the rumours of you know for fallouts in the camp and the senior players taking over the team. So it's classic France, it's classic cliches, it's a classic World Cup on their day, and um, we all know how difficult and um, France can be, but from a Welsh. Perspective, as long as you know the front five holds up. I don't think there's, there's many mental um, blockages. If you discount that one match um, where there was sort of scrum replacement shenanigans in injury time whilst Gatland was off on his sabbatical um, preparing for the Lions in um, New Zealand um, where Howley was looking after the team. Gatland hasn't lost to France since the um, since the semi-final in 2011 where Warburton um, was sent off early on uh, a tip-tackle and Wales still should have won it, and probably would have a few more kicks. And Adam Jones not also going off injured. That will motivate some of the old guard in the Welsh team. Um, you know the likes of Aaron Wynn and um, Jonathan Davis, etc. So I think I think Wales are quite confident, not overly confident. Um, you know um, you've got to give France the respect they deserve, and on their day they can just click. Um, they haven't been clicking recently for a full match, but they've been turning in thirty, forty-minute performances, and that can put you on the back foot. But uh, I think the Welsh rugby fans would be quite disappointed um, if we lose this um, um, quarter final and we're not uh, we're not facing the Springboks in the semi final.
1: Well, Graeme, I, I tend to agree with you. I, th- I think uh, we said earlier uh, England against New Zealand in the one semi final. We say South Africa against Wales near the semi-final. And I think, uh, uh, speaking from a South African perspective, uh, South Africa-New Zealand final.
3: I oh, think I think I think that would be the dream final for the uh, for South African rugby fans. That takes you back to the uh, to the the olden days before the rise of Australia, where sort of uh, the All Blacks and the Springboks was the clash of the superpowers. So I can imagine why uh, South Africa would like um, would like that final, and uh, it, it 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 could well happen. Um, but obviously, I think you know Wales and England may have something to say about that.
1: <laughs> yeah I, I agree with you Dren it's, uh, we we know what <laughs> as the saying goes uh, don't put the cart before the horse exactly <laughs>
3: Exactly. I mean, yes, as you joked to me last time, you know, sort of uh, and if that happens, well, you know, New Zealand have got to beat South Africa twice, whereas the Springboks have only got to beat New Zealand once. And that's the reality of it. The Springboks will have seen, you know, what New Zealand's vulnerabilities are. And they have shown vulnerabilities. I think even if they beat Ireland and England, I think the Springbok coaching team would see more, uh, more frailties up front, because so far, um, New Zealand, um, um, are underdone but if New Zealand have got to play Ireland and England in uh, successive weekends and get to the final they won't be underdone by the final itself
1: <laughs> well Grant thank you very very much again uh, it's it's like I said it's such a pleasure to have you and, and have your insights on, on the podcast and perhaps we we chat again sometime in the, in, down the road uh, maybe the semi-finals or the final
3: Oh no, thank you. It's, it's it's always, always nice chatting. And uh, we have four Titanic clashes to look forward to this weekend. Eugene, there
1: we have it. I, I think uh, Garand's got some interesting views, uh, one or two places where we might differ. But I, I think, by and large, if, if we look at the, the individual matches, uh, I, I think I tend to agree with him. But uh, perhaps you disagree with him that England's just too powerful for Australia.
2: Yes, Jan, um, it was a great listening to me. Such a gentleman and he's got so much knowledge and passion for the game. Um, and I, I guess uh, to, to start with the, the Welsh-French game, and he touched on it briefly. Um, if you look at the history of the French side or the Frenchies, uh, when they look down and out in disarray, they are so dangerous. So with all the off-the-field problems had with their coach, uh, motion of distrust and their coach sending a player back to, to France, it seems that, that it's, things are not well in that camp. And you know when things are not well in the camp, players play for each other and they are going to be the danger. If you look at the statistics and you look at the history of these two teams the past few years and the build-up to the World Cup, uh, Wales should actually win it pretty comfortably. But, as I've mentioned, France is one of those teams. If they arrive on the day, uh, they will be very difficult. And uh, I agree with, with, with his predictions. But Jan, if there's one I'm not too sure about, uh, I think France can cause an upset. And that will be upset if they win Wales. It will be a surprise upset. Um, talking about England and Australia, um, as we've discussed numerous times, uh, Australia have really improved. cheka has got something right. Um, but England is just such a well-composed, balanced side. Uh, Eddie Jones and, and Mitch, I think, have got their, their work cut out. Eddie knows the approach of Cheka and the Australians. Uh, and, I, and I think um, Australia would prefer having a quick open game. And uh, my prediction is England is going to slow it down. They're going to play a boring game and do what they always do, slow poison, take their kicks for points, and uh, before you get it, um, they're going to be ahead. I, c- I cannot see Australia beating them. With the other two matches, I agree, and we're going to talk about it now. I agree with your guys' predictions.
1: Eugene, now's a good time perhaps to listen to what uh, colourful Wallaby coach Michael Cicca has to say uh, on facing England in the quarterfinal, and his team's lost to Wales in the pool stages. So let's let's go straight to Michael Chica and and... You know what he has to say? Oh, it's just about being ready, you know.
4: We're, we're, we'll be ready. There's no doubt about that. And we'll be uh, precise in what we need to do. And we'll be physically ready. And we'll be ready to get the job done. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what the, the, the step-up is in there to answer the question. I don't want to not answer the question. I'm not sure what the step-up is. We'll see on Saturday. But we'll be ready for it, whatever it is. I'm just a believer. Call me a sucker. Believe in my lads. And, you know, I know... Um, I know other people, like the, the. there's other people that won't give us much of a chance, but I believe that when you do believe in yourself, you're much closer to being able to create history. You know, when you believe in what your team, Nick, and what they can bring on the field, all the different players, then you're closer than you are to ever before to make history, you know, and that's all we're gonna to need to do.
1: What do you think the World League have struggled in the last three four years?
4: Mate, I think it's irrelevant, really. Like, um, you only have to <clears throat> me going. Like, there is reasons. Obviously, I'm not trying to avoid it, but well, why go back and talk about all those games? Well, what are they? I talked about those games in those press conferences after those games, and then they're done with, and we're on to the next. Thing. Mate, looking backwards only going to give you a sore neck. We got, we got um. We got opportunities
2: this week, and we're going to take them. Yes, uh, it's the it's actually the best comments I've heard Cheka make in a long time. You know, everything that happened previously is history, and nothing can change that. Um, they know they're in for a chance, and they're going to grab this chance. Uh, and I also agree with your with your previous remark about Kurtley Bill. Um, he's one of the X factors. You know that can that can cause havoc and maybe pop up at certain places and times where you can uh, put them in a good position. Uh, the, although I predict that England's going to win it, um, Australia, if they can get ahead and get their noses up and their tails up, I'm pretty sure that they uh, they can keep England busy. But uh, um, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. Jan, if, if, we, look, if we look at the, the New Zealand-Island game, um, I think New Zealand, they might not be a, a, the team that they were according to, to Geraint as well. But um, I think New Zealand in this case have got a bit of a, besides that it's, it is World Cup and it's a knockout, base, I think they've got a bit of history to fix when they lost against Ireland. Uh, so maybe the emotions are going to be very high. And I think they're just going to overpower them from the, from the beginning. And... Um, that's that's going to be an interesting match because Ireland have improved in the last match they played, and uh, as we all know, they pretty much were not even till a week ago sure whether they were going to be in the playoffs. So they that makes them dangerous, but I cannot see that they will um, that they that New Zealand will slip up against them. It's um, but it is rugby. Uh, I think New Zealand's going to win it comfortably.
1: Just a bit of useless information. Uh, Ireland's won two of their last three matches against New Zealand, uh, not just in Washington, but also last year in Dublin. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, they, 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 like you say, they've got a bit of history against New Zealand. But I, I, I think, uh, the, for me, and I said it to, to, to get a Grant as well. I think the big problem for New Zealand is the fact that they last played a tough match against South Africa in the opening week of the World Cup. They've, they've had Canada, and they've had. Namibia and they played their French players in those games they, they and they, they lost the Italy game which would have been their warm up game for the quarterfinals. and they had to uh, use a practice they they don't want to reveal we'll, we'll go to Kieran Reed now he speaks about it but they had to use a practice to to simulate match conditions and and get their players conditioned for a quarter final so that's that's their only week's weakness so let's listen to what Kieran Reed has to say On facing Ireland and what they have learned from their 2011 and 2015 World Cup wins?
5: Oh, look, learnt a lot from those two experiences. And, uh, you know, the guys who were there in 15, a couple of us from 11, um, you know, have have great fond memories um, and experiences. So, being there, done that. But it's, you know, for us, it's stepping up. And each week's so different, each tournament's different. Um, You know, the opposition's always going to be different as well. So, um, yep, there's some great things to learn. Um, but we know it's a slightly different occasion and um, you know it's going to be pretty massive no matter uh, who we play this week. Can you
3: talk about the, uh, the match on uh, or whatever you did on Friday, can you give us an idea of, uh, the suggestion was you know, that you you're going to have a pretty full-on session um, and there's this period where it kind of slightly frustrating that you've not been able to get into it, any kind of rhythm, but what was it like on that Friday and how big a, a session was that?
5: Oh well, look, it was, a, it was a big session for us training-wise, but you know, I'm not going to give away exactly what we did, um, but you know, it's really for us that we needed a head out, physical head out. Uh, we got that through our own training, um, and it was uh, yeah, it was fun. It was uh, exactly what we needed. We needed something like that. Um, and then today we've been at the gym, and um, you know, just setting ourselves up for the week ahead. So we're in a position that we're you know, aside from something happening in the game, quite uh, wrong for us. We would have been here this week. Um, and look, I think uh, you know we know that we're here now. It's it's pretty positive within the camp, and you know excited by what's ahead. You've had
1: so much support from the Japanese fans. Would it be
5: nice to avoid them in the quarterfinals just to still continue having the support from them? Um, oh look, I'm not too sure. I think it would be a great experience, um, you know, to play in front of the local fans because you know they have been fantastic for us, as you say. And I'm sure, you know, of what's happened in, um, you know, around the country at the moment and, you know, we really feel for them um, because, as you said, they've really supported us and, um, you know, I guess some of them doing it tough. So, um, you know, it's uh, our support is right behind them. Kieran, you've played all the two World Cups on the original four. What have you learned from him from playing against
3: the Clones, beating with his Yep. You know,
5: I just... You Know, I guess a pers- as a person he was, he was pretty driven. Um, you know, so there was nothing, he didn't really let anything come between him and, and what he wanted. So, um, yeah, learn a bit from that. Um, you know, and certainly, you know, how much mental capacity yet you need.
2: Yes, uh, Captain Courageous, Kieran Reid, um, just says the right things, uh, very composed. Uh, and Jan, you know, the fact that that long break uh, is also for, to add advantage in the sense that they uh, plays with uh, Niggles get recover they're going to be very fresh when they go onto this field and you know what you cannot le- you don't lose your your match skills if I can call so and your match fitness in two weeks um, so New Zealand will be up for it um, and we touched on it earlier the the Wales um, France game and really I, I think the one team in the Northern Hemisphere that got it right uh, throughout a few Six Nations and so forth is uh, is, um, is Wales with the way they've been beating sides. They know how to win. Uh, there's an emotion coupled to it with Gatlin finishing up there. So there's a lot in this match for them to play. and uh, and And they are the favourites in the game. And again, you know, you know what I feel about underdogs. Underdogs have got nothing to lose. Nobody expects them to win. And that's why I think if there's one surprise that there can be, although it's very unlikely, it can be in this match.
1: Eugene, I agree with you. This is the one game where uh, the form book could go out the window. Uh, I think it's uh, probably a good time now to introduce Wales assistant coach Stephen Jones, who, who previous Sunday's huge quarterfinal against France and give us some insights into the Wales psyche.
0: Well, you, you want a full complement and, uh, you know, you look at those players, you know, huge experience, you know, great skill set, John, physical threat, and um, you saw what he did uh, for the last line break just before he got injured, you know, uh, a wonderful offload as well. So it's, it's vital for us that so we have everybody uh, fit and healthy, well, isn't it? I mean, uh, we're all very, very ex- excited. It's, uh, it's the business end uh, and... Uh, yeah, we're all chomping at the bit uh, for the game on Sunday. You as a five over the two teams that. Well, it's healthy. Um, I think we won seven of the last uh, eight games, which is great from our perspective. But we know it's going to be a different challenge on um, on Sunday. You know, opposition we respect and rightly so because of the, the talent of players they have. But. Uh, you know, it's about us getting our house in order, and making sure we nail our roles and responsibilities. Great players, great pool of players to choose from. Uh, great athletes. You know, pay um, unpredictable. Enjoy uh, the broken field. Uh, if we lose and we turn the ball over easily, then they're in their element and they're very, very dangerous.
2: Yeah, Sean. Uh, you know, the whole build-up of our program and the World Cup into the quarter-finals uh, means nothing for us, uh, in the sense that the big game for us that gets close to our hearts is uh, South Africa against Japan. And um, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of emotion. Let's talk about Japan. It won't be the same team with the same attitude uh, going into the game that we played in the warm-up match. So if we underestimate them, which, I th- which we won't do, uh, th- that could be a problem. So I think Japan has grown in stature. And right from the beginning, we, we talked about Jamie Joseph being a solid coach, bringing in discipline, bringing in team structures. And you can see the team, they are playing for each other and playing for their country. And the pressure's on them. It's it's a home game. It's a home crowd. So the pressure's on them. It might be that the arena's too big for them. I doubt it. But uh, they're going to try and speed up the game. I think they're going to do quick short lineouts, play quick, try and create quick ball at the breakdowns, quick rucks on defense they will they will smother us not to get the ball wide they will be well aware of our um of our box kicks and tactical kicking so don't be surprised if they put two extra guys back in counter attack from there which will make them difficult and i think japan just going into the playoffs made history and should they even lose it which i believe is going to happen they can give themselves a pat on the shoulder and i think young this world cup in japan is is really going to it's it's can have a big positive influence on the Japanese rugby going forward. Uh, South Africa, if we if we look at first of all um, the personality of Rossi, the, co- the head coach, um, he's he's got a more conservative approach and he backs the players that um, that he picked from the beginning. So it should be interesting to see if there are any changes. Uh, if the team gets announced tomorrow, you know, um, there's a few players that put their hand up a week ago, like Reinach, like Um So I don't think we can, we have to elaborate on that. But I think where our strength is, um, is our pack of forwards. I think we can out-muscle them and we need to keep the game tight. We need to keep it structured as much as I sometimes hate structured play, but we need it structured and we need to slow it down. We'll we'll have to look at our tactical kicking as well. Uh, we cannot kick in the hands. We need to turn them around and our set set phases, our scrums, lineouts, and kickoffs need to be accurate. Um, playoffs is is one shot, one opportunity. And if we don't get in, if we don't get initiative in the game quickly, dominate in front, dominate territorial advantage, uh, dominate with possession. It it can be a long day, but I, I say I believe that we can win with 20 plus points. young.
1: Eugene, before we listen to uh, the coaching staff. I think there's something significant which a lot of people are overlooking. Jamie Joseph has got some serious history with history with South Africa. He was in the All Black team in '95 in that '95 final at Alice Park when we beat the All Blacks '15-12. He was in that team, and I, I remember after the the game, I, I met him at the post-match function. I've never seen a guy so dejected because he he loved playing against South Africa. He played, uh, you know, I, I met him in the '94 tour as well, and and he actually. Absolutely love. He's a passionate, passionate guy. That's why he's he's still involved in the game. Like us, he he will always be involved in the game. But uh, he was so dejected after that final in '95, and then he played for Japan in the '99 World Cup. You know, so he's one of these rare guys that's played for two countries in two different World Cups, and now he's coaching Japan. So it's a bit of payback because in '95 it was on South African soil. South Africa had the crowd. South Africa had Madiba. Now Japan has got the crowd. They've got the emotion, and they're on a roller coaster high. You, you'll, you'll remember uh, South Africa beat Australia in the opening game in '95, and we, we picked up that momentum we picked up that emotion and we went for it Japan's beat an island in the opening game and they just continued with that emotion and they're just rolling they, they, they're riding that wave of emotion and I think that's going to be the key if, if we can silence the crowd if we, like, like you said we can silence the crowd it's going to be important but this Jamie Joseph factor people should never underestimate he's a very shrewd and, and astute tactical coach let's listen to what Springbok assistant coach Muzwan Dile Stick. had to say on Japan's style and the New Zealand coaches. Yeah, they actually touched on it and, and, and the Springboks actually recognized the danger of Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown.
6: Yes, Japan, they're a good side playing at home and uh, we know the whole country is uh, excited and behind them and we we have seen how much they've developed in the past couple of years you know and they actually playing a good style of rugby where they're playing good running rugby we you saw the speed and the tempo how they play the game especially against scotland once again i've mentioned earlier on they've got a good coaching side so irrespective of how we're going to come and play against them we know that they will be able to keep up with it and also be able to manage that game uh, if we decide on a day to to keep the ball in hand, or if we decide on the day to 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 kick the ball. If you look at the background, when it comes to their coaching staff, uh, they've got uh, some uh, New Zealand coaches in that system with Tony Brown. Uh, we know when it comes to New Zealanders with their philosophy about the game and putting ball in true hands. So that is probably something that we we can expect something close to to how the All Blacks are playing. And then, but I have to mention to me when I'm watching them. They remind me of Argentina, you know, that is one side where when they've got more time and ball in hand, uh, they can be dangerous on a day. So we're going to have to make sure that on a day with our defence systems, we're going to make sure that we at our best because they are really, really very skillful and also with quick players. And once again, Jamie Joseph mentioned that he's got about those two wings, he compares them to the Ferrari cars, you know, so we're going to have to be at our best for a day and not allow those Ferraris to, to go to fifth gear or sixth gear.
1: Eugene, and, and for a change, the Springboks were, were reserved and, and they, they made a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think it's also worth listening to what Stick had to say about Japan and, and having the home crowd behind them in their corner, uh, much like South Africa did in 95. So let's listen to what Stick had to say about playing on Japan
6: soil. Yeah, playing against the, the host nation, uh, we know that they're going to be Playing with a lot of passion. Uh, the supporters will be behind them, and we could hear even when we were watching on TV the vibe at the stadium at Yokohama. Uh, so, once again, it's going to be a tough challenge, and we know how passionate they are and uh, the pride they've got behind uh, their team when it comes to the supporters' side. Yeah, but the nice thing also I have to mention uh, the supporters, the people of Japan, they've been also good to us. We've been here for actually more than six weeks now, and the hospitality, since we've arrived the first week in Sekin and Kahoshima, the people have been supportive. We go to the airports, they have always there with the banners and with the signs supporting our players, and and the vibe, you know, seeing guys like Koaha. I remember one of the previous cities we went to, where there were like a lot of Uh, signs and banners written about Kuwaka and also I saw some funny (laughs) images where actually Kuwaka had his own supporters club where his his face was on the chance so that shows at least also we've 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 managed to get uh, a good support uh, base also in Japan so it's gonna be a tough one but once again it's good to be here Uh, it's good to make sure that we we to see that we are being welcomed in Japan.
2: What a what a weekend uh, ahead of us! You know, we we don't always wish the the year to finish, but we wish this week to get over and done with, so we can watch the rugby. And uh, I guess the secret for us and the key will be is to focus on our game and not on their game. To do what we must do in our game between those four lines for eighty minutes, and it'll be a good weekend. But uh, with that said, I just want to say. Uh, to all the guys out there let's support the box let's support the World Cup and we'll chat to you soon and this is me Loffy Elof and Jan De Quinnen. saying goodbye from our studio in
5: Cape Town